1: From physical wellness to emotional and spiritual, we hear
0: courageous stories and focus on why it's important to share them. We are both certified integrative nutrition health coaches and together with our community, we are learning to live our most courageous lives by sharing one courageous story at a time. It takes
1: courage to share these journeys
0: and by talking about them, we aim to destigmatize
1: the process. We want you to be your own health advocate feel educated and informed on the latest in health and wellness and empower you to feel your absolute best. Join
0: us as we in our community share our Courageous Wellness. Today on the podcast, we have a conversation with Courageous Wellness listener, Lily Bryce. Lily recently graduated from Bucknell University as a sociology and anthropology major. A Kentucky native, always drawn to cultural medicine, holistic health, and nutrition, she spent five transformative months in New Zealand conducting research on Maori culture, interviewing indigenous healers, and traveling to a healing expo in the South Island. She wrote her honors thesis on Maori notions of holistic health and well-being, which she shares with us today. Drawing on contemporary
1: anthropological approaches used by scholars of well-being and medical anthropology, Lily explores how indigenous healers in New Zealand blend traditional and modern elements to establish a creative and inclusive system. We discuss herbal treatments, ritual chanting, and ceremonies that encapsulate Maori cultural values and the impact of biomedicine and new age wellness approaches on indigenous healing. We are grateful to Lily for sharing her own experience with the Courageous Wellness community today.
0: We have an exciting new discount for our listeners with Four Sigmatic.
1: Erica uses the Lion's Mane in her morning superfood coffee, and even though I hate mushrooms, I absolutely love the products, especially the matcha latte powder, which contains my mushrooms and adaptogens. For 10% off Four Sigmatic products, visit foursigmatic.com and use the code COURAGEOUS at checkout, and there's also a direct link in our show notes. Well, welcome, Lily. We're so excited to talk to you today.
2: Thank you. so excited to be here.
1: Yeah, so to, to start off, can you tell us and our listeners a little bit about um, your personal journey and how that took you into the the study, the fields that you're in now, and the studies that you've done? And um, yeah, let's just start there.
2: Yeah, um, I think I've always been drawn to the field of wellness, just from a really early age. My family's always kind of been open to different ways of healing. Both my parents have been into acupuncture. I started getting acupuncture in high school to deal with some um, anxiety and just kind of holistic medicine. So it's something that wasn't completely foreign to me going into college. Um, And then I got really into kind of the nutrition part of it. I'm a huge fan of Max Lugavere and Kelly Lebeck. I've read both of their books multiple times. Um, So I've just always been really into that and just kind of um, the gut-brain connection, which of course is really um, hitting the media now. So um, I think the more I got into that um, and the more I started to take courses in anthropology and just looking at other cultures views of wellness and like what constitutes well-being I kind of saw an intersection there um, and then on top of that I've always loved being outdoors I think it's incredibly therapeutic especially during like this period with COVID-19 i found that for my mental health it's just been crucial being outside socially distancing of course but um, so I kind of always knew that my junior year of college I wanted to study abroad in New Zealand and really do a lot of backpacking there and just really immerse myself in the outdoors. Um, So then when I decided that I wanted to do an honors thesis in anthropology um, I kind of it kind of came really organically that I would start looking at Maori notions of healing and how they consider like physical, mental, Emotional and spiritual health Um, So that's really what drew me to the field Um, Again, like I think I've always been kind of searching for ways to deal with my own anxiety um, Whether that's like generalized anxiety or anxiety about school perfectionism Um, so that really drew me to the field and um, Yeah, so when I went to New Zealand it kind of all came together really naturally
0: did you know much about New Zealand and the cultures when you chose um, this for study abroad, or was it just the nature? Because of course, you know, um, I had a good friend in college who was actually from New Zealand, so I'm a little familiar with what we're going to talk about, but um, you know, New Zealand is definitely known for being so beautiful and green and and definitely in nature. So did you kind of know what you were going to, discover there, um, especially what ended up becoming your thesis and the work that you do, or was that just kind of an organic surprise? (laughs)
2: Um, It's funny. Out of all the anthropology courses I've taken in college, none of them really focused on the Maori. So when I went to New Zealand, I definitely went in a little blind, which ended up being amazing because I went in with no preconceived notions. And as an anthropologist or like, aspiring anthropologist, that's kind of the best way to do things. Um so yeah, I really just went in. I um I, yeah, kind of like you, I I kind of went in being like, okay, I'm going to this beautiful place where the, it's just so green and the natural environment is just so inspiring. Um and then I really just gained this love and appreciation for Maori culture and people.
1: That's really cool. And I, I get excited hearing you talk because I know we're not that old, but it feels like it's been a while since I, we were in our studies and it's so exciting this time in your life where you're, you really have so many, I feel like we actually have this at any place in our life, but it gets harder to remember that. And so you're at this place where you really like, can have this open mind and really just follow whatever inspires you and you find to be important to you. To you and maybe to others, and how you want to use that in your life. So that's just a side note. I I think that's kind of so. It's like it's an exciting time um, for you, and um, so I'm curious. You know, if anybody doesn't know too much about Maori culture, um, which is indigenous New Zealand population, yeah. can you can you talk to us a little bit about about Maori culture and and then a little bit about sort of this holistic um, approach to wellness that they they have, and uh, and just explain that, break it down a little bit for us. Yeah,
2: um, so I was lucky enough through my program's um, orientation program to actually visit uh, visit a Mirai in the North and South Island, which is kind of a. Um, a cultural center for the Maori people. Um, it's where they have a bunch of ceremonies, weddings, funerals, as well as just social gatherings. So I was, I was really able to get a sense for Maori tradition there. And I found that Maori culture is really rooted in the creation stories. So the creation of humanity, um, which is, they're really beautiful stories. It's um, It's kind of like their version of um, Mother Earth and Father Sky. Their names are Poppy and Rangi in Maori Maori, um, language. But um, it's kind of the joining of uh, those beings and kind of a respect for the natural environment, um, kind of a genealogical coming into being. And that's kind of where... Maori appreciation for the natural environment and kinship ties really comes from. Um, So from those creation stories. And then um, the more I spoke with Maori healers, um, both younger and older, I really found that uh, because of how Maori traditions really rooted in those stories, they view the mind, body, soul, spirit as being an interconnected system. So while they, really do recognize the purpose of Western biomedicine, especially in terms of surgery. Um, they really view, like, you know, taking topical medicine or pills or anything like that is really just treating the symptoms rather than the root cause, um, which is why like, I went to um, a healing expo in Christchurch and I really, and, not only were Maori healers there, but like new age healers, crystal healers, energy sinkers. Um, And I learned about chakras there and all that, um, all that good stuff. Um, And I really found that there was this overlap between new age healing and Maori healing and how they just view the human body as being this interconnected system. And the more you are kind of in tune with your emotions and your spiritual health and connected through your family, the better off your physical symptoms are going to be.
1: You know, that makes a lot of sense. And I think, you know, in, in the last probably 100 100 plus years, especially in the Western world and with mes- Western medicine, we've lost touch with a lot of sort of ancient um, healing practices, right? Medicine in in different forms. And I'm sure this, I mean, I'm not an anthropologist, but just from my own sense of sort of dappling knowledge in different sort of... Um, indigenous medicine from around the world and ancient sort of like cultural healing modalities that, you know, there's, there's been a, a, distancing and, um, sort of a separation from the idea of like the whole, the whole person, um, to this sort of compartmentalized system, which we see very, very much in our current Western medicine, um, sort of structure, systemically where it's like, if you are dealing with a brain issue, you go to a neurologist. If you're dealing with a foot issue, you go to a podiatrist, right? It's like, we don't even look at the body as whole all the time, right? And then if something over here on the right side is going wrong, well, maybe that's affecting something on the left side too, you know, because it's all connected. So not even looking at the body holistically, but that there's also other components to the human that affect the physical health. And I think just now with the resurgence and the more mainstream sort of um, functional medicine movement in Western medicine, we're sort of going back to that a little bit. But it's like, these are things that you're saying from like the Maori tradition, but that many cultures have known for thousands and thousands of years. We've just really detached from that sort of perspective. Um, So I'm curious, you know, you're going, you went to this expo, you're seeing that there's all also these sort of like contemporary healers. There's sort of this crossover between, um, some ancient things and some new age things, but sometimes new age things are just really ancient things. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So what, like in your experience with this, then what made you decide on Like on your thesis specifically, what were you going to be like, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to dive into this research. I'm sparked. I'm inspired now. This is what I want to explore.
2: Yeah. I think the beauty of going someplace where you really don't know what to expect um, is just kind of like going in and I knew that I was going to look at healing, but I had no idea what I was going to find. Um, so like the more I spoke with healers, like I had no idea that Maori connection to the land and family were so central to health. So that was something that I really, that really came together. It was kind of like all of these pieces to the puzzle coming together. And then it's so interesting, like coming home, I'm like, well, I can, I, it is really so amazing how I can incorporate this into my own life and feel so much so much better and um yeah so it is beautiful like this time especially like reconnecting with my family and putting down the technology and going outside and just immediately feeling better like those are ancient maori systems and cultural concepts but they're so applicable to the to the world we're in today um so it really was interesting i actually have a really interesting story while i was doing my research at the expo i was having this sacred spiritual massage done um, by one of the Maori healers and it's interesting because this form of massage it's called a miri miri and it's it includes way less physical touch than a massage you would get like here and like or in la or in anything um in the united states um, it actually includes a lot of ritual chanting and i was on the table the Maori healer's not touching me. He's doing this ritual chanting. I'm sobbing. It's just, it was an incredible experience. So emotional, so profound. And that was when it really hit me um, that we really are this system. And like, I, you don't really need like, sometimes physical touch isn't like, necessary for the healing process it really is so interconnected and like that really was such a profound emotional experience and it's a reason why personal connection in culture is so crucial like i had to meet with this healer days in advance before this healing session went on um so again like i was just learning as i was going along and again like a lot of unexpected things along the way, but it really was just, again, like putting together these pieces. And while I didn't really know what I had in mind in terms of my thesis, I knew the basic outline. It was really just kind of um, <laughs> just kind of putting myself out there and then having these conversations, a lot of rejection and it all came together somehow. <laughs>
0: It's so interesting, you know, Ali and I um we met through Buddhism, and so we both chant you know um morning and evening, and I think this like idea too of ritual chanting it's so interesting because there's so much science to um vibration, right, like sound vibration actually, and um it's one of the favorite things I love about our practice I mean obviously, the whole practice is the chanting, but I loved um learning about really like the science behind like sound vibration. I just think it's so interesting. And so I think it's pretty, I'm I'm not surprised, but I think it's super cool that you had that kind of experience where someone was chanting and you, you felt it right throughout your whole body because sound and vibration, it is like exceptionally powerful. Um, so can you maybe walk us through, right? Like what, you, you mentioned ritual chanting, which I would love to even go m- more into, um, especially in terms of the Maori culture. Um, but what are maybe your top ancient healing modalities that you really discovered and that maybe you would hope that could become something maybe in the collective, right, for collective healing, as opposed to just ancient healing, like where these little communities have it, but... It might not be so widespread.
2: Yeah, I think my um, my top kind of healing modalities that I learned would probably be um, connection to family. I think those ties are really significant, and um, you know, it's something that's discussed today, but it really does have like ancient roots. Like those connections, when those ties are severed, like the um, energy um, alignment in the body is is off, ac- according to the Maori, but in, in a lot of other systems, like you mentioned Buddhism, um, these are all like very fluid um, practices, like it's kind of hard to isolate them into categories. So I'm totally not surprised that um, there's that overlap between Buddhism and um, Maori chanting. So I'd say having those connections and not just with family, but with friends as well. Um, for the Maori, it's really important to have face-to-face conversations. So, um, those ties are, are really important for, between healers, patients, friends, family. Um, and again, when those ties are severed, it, it's noticeable and manifests itself physically. Um, And then I would also say, um, connection with spirit. And, um, like that doesn't necessarily mean belonging to an organized religion. Um, it can just kind of be recognizing yourself and like a larger whole. Um, so I'm a really spiritual person. I just kind of, um, it's kind of free flowing for me. I love just, um, for the Maori spirit is, um, referred to by Achua. So there's Achua for the forest, the trees. Um, Mother Earth is an Achua. Father Sky is an Achua. So um, a lot of the ritual chanting called Karakia, that's about reconnecting with those spiritual entities. So um, I don't, I don't think that people really need to place a label on their spirituality, but just kind of being able to recognize that they have a soul and just kind of being in tune with that um and that not everything has to has to be like in the material world like kind of just recognizing yourself in a greater whole i think that's another modality that's that's really significant um and then i also just think being in tune with your physical body um so while a lot of it is like spiritual and energy um i think that people are really disconnected from their body in a lot of ways i think that's why um nutrition has really piqued my interest just because like i even noticed when my, in myself like if i'm not present during a meal um if i'm not eating for like like if i'm not in tune with my um hormonal health like or incorporating healthy fats into my meals like I feel it in my, in my brain um, and I feel it in my energy throughout the day. So I just think being like really grounded, like eating like leafy greens and like healthy fats and like just being in tune with how that provides you energy throughout the day. Like um, not just how you look, but really how you feel. I think that that. I mean, there's a reason why they say food is medicine. And I think that people are really starting to recognize that now, which is so exciting. Um, And I know you all have had guests on your podcast who are more on like the nutrition side of things. So just kind of looking at that spiritual, um, uh, I mean, looking at that physical in addition to the spiritual and like familial ties. So I'd say those like three pillars are really like kind of what I consider key concepts.
1: That's really cool. Can you tell us a little bit about what um maybe the sort of diet is? Is there are there any specific do they use herbs or food in a specific way culturally in the in the Maori culture? It is really interesting actually. So, um
2: there isn't it's it, there's kind of less of an obsession about food in mariculture culture in terms of nutrition. I feel like in the United States, people are so hung up on it. Like people are constantly talking about nutrition. It seems like here and there, it's more like, what does food mean in terms of like, like um, there's this thing called tapu and Noah. So tapu is this sacred state of restriction, whether that be in like a healing ceremony, a funeral, um, a wedding, anything like that. So that's taboo. Noah is this state of neutrality. So there's kind of this like element of balance and flow um, in Maori culture. And food, rather than kind of being hum, hung up on the nutrients, it's more about like how food is an agent of Noah, how it kind of introduces this state of neutrality. So these, um, sacred states of restriction during ceremonies, that can really only be broken with a feast. So it's, food's really celebratory. Um, It's kind of represents neutrality, um, reintroducing balance. Um, So there's kind of less of a discussion of the foods um, specifically, and rather like what kind of energy it brings.
0: We wanna take a quick break from this episode to tell you about today's sponsor and one of our favorite wellness brands, Ned. Ned produces the highest quality full spectrum CBD from organic hemp plants sourced entirely from an independent farm in Colorado. After interviewing co-founder Adrian Zimmerman on the podcast and trying their products, Ali and I were both instant fans of the products and of the company. As someone who struggles with anxiety, my favorite product is definitely the Full Spectrum Hemp Oil line. I notice a huge difference in my anxiety, sleep, and general mood when I take it consistently, so I have made it part of my daily self-care routine. Every day I use the 750 milligram tincture and do two droplets under my tongue in the morning and evening. I also love applying the hemp-infused body butter to my neck and shoulders before bed as I am winding down and always use my tincture as an alternative to any pain medication if I get hit with a headache. What's great about NED is that they also offer a North Star membership where with zero commitment, I can have my favorite products delivered monthly at an extra discount with free shipping and no annual fee.
1: I have also become a dedicated user of Ned products and have been able to replace my monthly use of ibuprofen to manage period discomfort with Ned's Natural Cycles collection of salves, tinctures, and roll-ons. This collection is slow-crafted with love from an extraordinary group of women and provides a more holistic anti-inflammatory and natural pain relief option. Also, I recently started incorporating Ned's Limited Release Immunity Blend Tincture into my routine as well. This blend combines botanicals, herbs, and fungi to offer functional immune support. 100% of profits are donated to EcoHealth Alliance to support their fight against pandemics and promotion of conservation. If you want to check out NED and try their CBD for yourself, we have a special offer for the Courageous Wellness audience. Go to www.helloned.com slash CBD. CW podcast. That's H E L L O N E D.com slash CW podcast to get 15% off your first order plus free shipping. Thank you, Ned. We know you're going to love it. You can also find the direct link in our show notes and check out all of their wellness products.
0: Now back to the episode. I love this so much. <laughs> I I just think it's like, especially with everything we've been through this year now, I think this is all so relevant. You know, again, like it's always so interesting when I learn about different cultures or different practices, especially ones that like you're saying, like it's, it's, revolutionary to how I feel like American society has been existing, but it's actually not so revolutionary that we should have these like familial ties, right? And for some people that's chosen family, right? Of friendships and, you know, cause I'm also a big proponent and I love my family so much, but I also know people who need to have boundaries, right? With certain members of their family and their environment. So whatever that means to you, I think this concept of human connection with the people we love the most has been kind of brought to the forefront as more important than ever, especially this year when we've been stripped from it, to be honest. And um, even, right, like, nature. Like it, there was a funny meme um that went around at the beginning of quarantine that was like now I understand why dogs are always so excited to go for their walk. Like when they're like, oh I wanna I want to go outside. And I saw that's I was like, oh yes, that that is me. But even um before all of this had happened, um, you know, I was definitely like a gym person. Like every boutique fitness class in LA, like that's where I was and really not being able to do that and having, you know, of course, social distanced and, you know, not seeing people, but going for walks, going out, you know, fortunately I live in a part of LA where I have neighborhood and nature where I don't have to go on a hike or be in a public area, you know, it's just so interesting, like everything you're saying and even intention behind food, because we haven't had the choice necessarily. I think the majority of us that maybe we had in our day-to-day life. So it's just so interesting because I feel like everything you're sharing is so relevant in 2020 and should have been relevant before, but it's like, we're all being forced to kind of collectively go back to this ancient, way of living, um, if Um, you know, in, in in even just the most, not even ancient, just like basic level. I know. Sense. It's
2: so interesting. Yeah. Like COVID came and it's like, it almost seems like it's stripped away, like all this stuff that the Maori considers to be so central to health. And I think that it kind of takes a situation like that for people to recognize, oh my gosh, like It's it's so, it's so funny what we take for granted. Like I'll be, I would, oh my gosh, I think back to times when I was like with my friends out to lunch and we would be on our phone. And like, now I'm like, I just want to hug someone outside my family, like, please. Um, And so it's just so funny, like those face to face connections, like that we take for granted. Like, I totally understand like thinking about my experiences in New Zealand, like of course the Maori, like of course that's so central to well being. Like it's almost like basic sense and it takes, you know, a pandemic to kind of realize it. But um you're so right. Like it these ancient modalities are just coming to the forefront and I think that people are really understanding the significance of of those types of connections.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Can we, can I go back? I actually have a question you mentioned in the context of a perhaps a ritual or a ceremony, the idea of like deprivation um, or like a being like intentionally being in a deprived state before you go back into a state of neutrality and using like a feast to break that fast, right? And mm-hmm. I think that's pretty common in a lot of either um, sort of religious practices or different cultures, right? Like you can... I feel like that's a commonality. Um, and I'm curious, is there, like, what is the spiritual or what is the, like, intention behind that as a part of the Maori ceremony?
2: Yeah, it's, it's kind of like stuff that informs everyday life for the Maori. So while it is definitely heightened in ceremonies, um, like, the head is really sacred for the Maori. Um, so it's kind of like all about res- res- uh, respecting stuff that has a sacred state of restriction. So um, when I stayed at the Mirai, um they, we slept on the floor of the Mirai, everyone in my program and you have to, have the mattresses um in a really specific way so the pillows have to be opposite each other you can't have heads next to each other and we had to be really careful even though the entire floor of the marae was covered in these mattresses and there were like 80 of us um we couldn't step over anyone's pillow that was because it's where the head is and that's the most sacred part of the body for the Maori Um, so it's yeah it's kind of stuff that informs everyday life um so then other things that kind of bring on that neutrality um water that brings neutrality um women um so women are like very highly valued um in maori culture when we went through the welcome ceremony um through, uh, we enter to the Mirai and the men enter first. And that's not because the men are more important. It's because actually, Maori consider the women to be more important because they bring on this state of neutrality. Um, and so the men are there essentially like, it's kind of rooted in ancient tradition tradition as a form of um, protection for the women. Um, because women are like these highly valued um, members of Maori society. Um, they their agents of Noah. Um, they're essential. They, you know, like they represent Mother Earth. Um, so that's that's why women are kind of these like really um, significant um, beings in Maori culture. So yeah. So sacred states of re- uh, sacred states of restriction really just inform everyday procedures, um, which is why like. It's really important to like bring on those like states of neutrality and and, and that's why the significance of like um, like healing practices comes into play too because that involves both states. It's not just a state of restriction, but it's literally creating balance within the body.
1: Is the, and the state of restriction is looked at as like a necessary state of being?
2: Yeah, it's kind okay. of like necessary, like you need, it's almost like you need yin and yang, you know, like you can't just have a state of neutrality without Right.
1: Understood. Okay. And that's so interesting. I mean, I do think you see that in, um, a lot of different cultures and religious practices, like it's from a, from a food perspective too, right? Like, but it's usually has a spiritual component, right? Like I know it's in, in, um, Judaism in Islam in catholicism i you know there's so many sort of amusing sort of like religious practices but there's so many that are specifically you know linked to different cultures too and then there's that sense of like breaking a fast and we you know it's just sort of accepted but there's like a reason for that and i think the way you said it where it's like yin and yang balance this idea of you need both sides in order to create a neutral space or a neutral sort of state of being it's really interesting.
2: Yeah, I think that like, it's so, it's kind of like, you need you need the restriction to like understand what balance is. Like for me, I need to know what my unbalanced state is to know like when I'm balanced and like in tune with myself, you know? So it, like kind of makes sense on an individual level too, which is really interesting.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for sharing all of that with us. I think it's so, again, like I love how even when we talk about different cultures and we talk about ancient modalities, again, you can see similarities or things that we should have or want to have in everyday modern life. I just think that's really um, a cool part of learning and a cool part of the work that you're doing. And it's so amazing. Um, the work that you are doing, and the research that you've been conducting, and the life that you're, the life path that you're choosing to go on. What is next for you? Like, what is your vision with this research that um, you are doing um, post graduation?
2: I think that my ultimate goal, like the reason I love anthropology, is just kind of exposing people to kind of the unknown and like going in and you don't necessarily have to implement it in your everyday life, but just kind of like understanding and respecting. So um, like that's kind of why I'm drawn to the field and like my ultimate goal would just be to, again, like continue my graduate work there. I'd love to go back and continue to do field work with Maori healers and I'd love to write a book about healing. I think that the more people can kind of recognize that and identify with it. And I mean, I think it's awesome that both of you have kind of recognized how it like can play a role in your own lives. So um, I think that's my ultimate goal to just, I think it's so significant. I think people are at a stage of their lives, like especially with this COVID-19 pandemic, I think people are craving that. And I would love to provide people in the United States around the world with kind of this information that has played such a significant role on my life. And I know that's so small scale, but I think that these ancient modalities are so like at the crux of human well-being and health. And I'm just, I've always had a love for well-being. I've always had a love for wellness. And I think that being able to recognize that like you don't have to divide it into concrete categories. You don't have to just like go to the doctor to like be in tune with yourself. You don't have to like, you know, go to yoga if that's not your thing, but like, I just want to expose people to as many different methods of healing as possible. And then they can kind of like pick and choose. So, um, you know, like when this is all over, I'd love to start, um, application process to graduate school. And, um, who knows, like, (laughs) I'd love to, to publish a book someday. So,
1: yeah. (laughs) Well, I, I know it's going to happen. It's going to be awesome. And when you, when you publish your book, you can come back on your book on the show with your book tour. (laughs) So I'm curious, you know, we, we ask all of our guests what their self-care practices are for their daily life and what their non-negotiables are. And I'm curious to to know what yours look like, especially with all the information that you have.
2: Yeah. Um, well, I'm definitely, now that I'm home, like, My go-to normally I am a firm believer in acupuncture. I think it's amazing. Um, I think it kind of gets rid of like the energy blockages in the body, I've noticed it within myself. Obviously I can't do that right now, but walking, it's so gentle on the body, um, so healing. So getting in a daily walk when it's nice weather, it's always key for me. Um, I love biking, so um, hiking, Um, those are all really, like, great forms of movement for me. Um, My morning routine has just been a staple for me, especially the past year. Um, Turning on a great podcast. Um, Love Courageous Wellness in the morning. Um, But uh, not looking at my phone or social media um, within probably an hour of waking up, that's been huge. Um, I found that it kind of, like, clouds my mind. Um, That's been... An amazing thing I've incorporated into my morning routine, um, kind of having a nutritious breakfast that really energizes me throughout the day. Um, just I've I've really I love pleasure reading. Um, so you know I'm obviously a huge anthropology nerd. So I I love like reading a good ethnography, like reading other people's stories, field work. Um, and so I think those have always kind of been my staples and I'm kind of like expanding. Um and then like family dinners, uh, that's something that I've incorporated, like that's been really central to me, like the having those conversations, something that like from my time in New Zealand, I kind of understood the benefits and really like in this time I'm really trying to use to like really it's kind of be the basis of like well-being. It's also just amazing, like laughing over a meal with family. So I'd say those are kind of like routines that I've, I've had in play. And like, I'm only 22 at this point. Um, I guarantee you it's going to change significantly. Um, but it's kind of, I'm, you know, starting to recognize what, what works for me. Thank, Thank you, you for amazing. sharing that.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I going to say, I was, just say, I wish, I wish I had that at 22, you know? Yeah. And so I'm sure it will grow and evolve and change as we all do, as ours do, as everyone's do. But um, I, I just think the fact that you have even recognized it as part of something you're li- uh, in your life that's valuable to you is is admirable and yeah.
0: Yeah. No, and I do. I'm so impressed too by so much of what's happening in your generation. I think you're Gen Z and Allie and I are millennials. But what I'm so impressed with by Gen Z is it does seem like much more than I feel like when, you know, Allie and I were in high school or in college, there does seem to be this like consciousness and awareness. And it might be what you guys just grew up with, right? Like post 9-11, um, the economy, now a global pandemic, you know, school shootings, what it's not even a political thing. It's just a matter of you've you've had to grow up with this sort of consciousness that there is a greater world out there and you are a part of it, <laughs> if that makes sense. And so I'm just so impressed by what I hope will be a difference in the next, you know, decade from Gen Z and the next generation. So I think it's really cool what you're doing and, um, we're definitely going to be following along and yeah, can't wait for that book. The last question that we always ask our guests is, do you have a book that has been particularly inspirational to you along your journey that you would recommend, um, for any of our listeners?
2: Um, I love that, that question. I love books. Um... I think something that's just inspired me significantly, it's a little bit more like science-based, but amazing, like genius foods. I've read it about five times over. Max Lugavere, I think he's incredible. I think his content's amazing. Um, In terms of anthropology, um, Charles King's uh, Gods of the Upper Air, if you really just kind of want to understand like cultural relativism and just kind of like being open to other cultures, I think it's a great kind of, Introduction. I love it. It's not too like complex. I kind of get a little bit um, annoyed if it's a little bit too scholarly and like not down to earth. So like if people are just kind of looking to kind of get a window into anthropology, Gods of the Upper Air is incredible. So I think um, those two books have really just kind of helped me along my wellness
1: journey. Thank you, Lily. And then the last question is, if anyone wants to follow along in your research or your just your journey, where can they find you?
2: I have a blog um, where I talk about my experiences in New Zealand, wellness, relationships. Um, it's lilybryce 6wixsitecom uh, mysite my um, site, Lily's L-I-L-L-Y. All lowercase um, and my emails on there too: uh, lily.brice at yahoo.com so um, I encourage people to just shoot me questions comments let them know what they want to hear from me on the blog
1: great thank you so much and we'll link that as well in our show notes great thank, thank you so. thanks for joining us today thanks for tuning in to another episode of courageous wellness
0: tune in every Wednesday for a new episode featuring a different guest each week